Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Here we go, the official show on the Fist Stripes podcast channel. I'm Eli Sussman, managing editor of Fist Stripes. Two times a week, you get these full episodes with me here on the pod covering all things Miami Marlins. We are presented by Symbol, the stock market for sports. More about our partners later on in the show. Uh, Different sort of vibe here on this show. We're not going to focus very much at all on what's happening on the field with this team. Uh, A very quick note at the beginning, we'll do that. Going into Wednesday's game, Wednesday's loss, which had the Marlins getting swept by the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, But we're going to look at the bigger picture for the trajectory that this team is headed uh, for the rest of this 2021 season. You'd be kind of surprised where they are um, at the moment and how quickly things have sort of unraveled and changed with this team. Uh, But not all terrible things. It's not exactly that the, the... Like the sky is falling, uh, even if it feels like that in this very moment. So we're going to talk about exactly where things stand with the big picture of this team in the midst of their worst couple weeks stretch of the season. And then really the big topic on everybody's mind, the sticky stuff that pitchers use, especially in Major League Baseball, something that is so, so prevalent and soon is going to be um, like officiated out of the game all of a sudden in the middle of the season interesting comments from Zach Gallen that created some sort of chain reaction among significant figures around the game and we're going to comment on that and how it affects the Marlins in the past and and now moving forward now that this crackdown goes into effect beginning on Monday the comments on Wednesday's game Another one-run loss. The Marlins seemingly lead the league in one-run losses this season. Uh, They get shut out by the Cardinals. A great pitcher's duel between Sandy Alcantara and Johan Oviedo. There's more of a traditional recap of that on our website, fishstripes.com, and on the small pod hosted by Daniel Rodriguez. Just watching this game, uh, obviously the starting lineup um, and how it was handled throughout the in-game management It's just evidence of a team that is indifferent about winning games right now. I don't know if you can totally blame them for that. This has been a stretch where they tried, they tried, they tried to overcome these injuries, tried to overcome the the flaws in this team's construction, and they haven't done it. You know, they entered play on Wednesday in last place in the National League East, and after losing the game, they are now a full 10 games back in the division in this game Starling Marte, Jesus Aguilar, Adam Duvall, all of them on the bench heading into an off day. This is, as I mentioned in the game recap on the website, this is an increasingly common practice in Major League Baseball to set up these, quote, mini vacations for your veteran players heading into an off day. Uh, They last played on Tuesday. The next scheduled game was Friday night. To go three full days in between games can be pretty valuable to a veteran player over the course of a full season. I mean, what was so blatant about this is that Don Mattingly and the Marlins 
sat down all three of those guys at the same time. One guy you could absolutely understand, even two you could kind of uh, overcome it. But we know at this point in the season, the Marlins are just bereft of offensive impact players. And if you sit three of them, in particular the top two, Marte and Aguilar, at the same time, they just do not have uh, the other talents, the other experience to like compensate for that. Um, so you can understand one or two, right? Because I'll say with Aguilar, it made, the, made a lot of sense to me. Lewin Diaz, we know, is supposed to be playing every day at AAA. He can't because Marlins lack a conventional backup first baseman. And so this was a good opportunity to get him a start against a right-handed pitcher. He had an interesting game. Um, I don't know if you can really defend the, the Marte sitting in order to get playing time for Sierra. By sitting Marte and Duvall, that opened the door for Brinson and Sierra. And those are guys we know who they are. They've been in the majors for parts of, well, Brinson parts of five seasons. For Sierra, parts of four, we know who they are. They do not need to be getting full playing time. And it wasn't so much about just having all those guys out of the starting lineup, but more so that this game was as close as it could get. It was a tie game throughout the entire time until the walk-off in the bottom of the ninth. For them to go into those later innings, really the eighth inning and especially the ninth inning, to have Brinson and Sierra batting in the top of the ninth of a tie game when you have Marte and Aguilar and Duvall all available, there's no defense for it. This is a team that they prioritize the rest of those guys, and if you want to look at the bigger picture, they wanted to rest them to ensure that they avoid injury, to ensure that they are still available at the trade deadline for contending teams. Those are all three of those guys. We talked about Marte at length on the previous pod. We don't want to trade him, but that's there's going to be calls about him. And one of the top priorities for this team right now is making sure those vets are healthy at trade deadline time because this current season, uh, the goals of this season have shifted pretty dramatically. I think it was less than two weeks ago that I was on here talking about how everything that this team was aspiring to do in 2021 is still on the table, that those goals are still in front of them, and that has changed. I mean, they played this stretch of 16 games in 16 days, and they went 5-11, and 11, four excruciating walk-off losses during that stretch alone. They, and most importantly, they lost, they had more injuries. I mean, that's, they, we learned that the Brian Anderson injury was kind of worse than even initially feared. He's on the 60-day IL. He won't be back till late July. Eliezer Hernandez won't be back until August. Cody Pote, wait to see with him. It might be a similar long absence after his MCL injury. They do not have a number four or a number five starter in this rotation, and you cannot go for an extended period of time without that. Uh, on top of the fact that they have all these other offensive issues that they continue to play these these fringy post-prospect guys like Sierra and Brinson and Isan Diaz who are giving you nothing. That the talent is not here on the major league roster. The motivation is not here to add to the current team. The team enters this off day and then the lens for Friday at 29 and 39, a season worst 10 games below 500. You have probably been in this mindset of you know, following every single game with the expectation of being competitive. I don't blame you. Um, but now take a look. Look up at where things currently stand with 94 games remaining. The Marlins are one of the worst teams in baseball. The The run differential says they are an average team. And unfortunately, all those games are in the book. You know, there, there'll be more time for them to level out towards their run differential. But I don't think you can expect them to you can't look at this team honestly and say they're a 500 team moving forward. You could say maybe they should have been closer to that number in the past, 
without this rotation depth and without uh, this position player depth and with a bullpen that is coming back down to earth, although still pretty good, that this team is not good during this current season. In fact, there are only six teams with a worse record than the Marlins right now. Six. 80% of the league is, well, either the Marlins or as good as the Marlins. The Tigers have the same record. Uh, let's say 70% of the league is better than the Marlins. 70%. Um, this season, it's a it's a step. I think they're still a much better team than 2018 or 2019. There's going to be a lot of reasons to watch this team down the stretch, but not because you can imagine a playoff run. That is not happening. Um, and all the projection systems kind of are aligned on that. You know, the most generous estimate you'll have is that the Marlins' playoff odds are one percent right now. And you can't. You have to change the way that you operate a team when you when that reality kind of hits you in the face. Some of it out of their control, a lot of it in their control and coming back to bite them. All stuff that we've covered on previous shows. Just to do a rundown of the teams that are as bad as the Marlins. I mean, first, there's the Tigers that have the identical record as them entering play on Thursday. Uh, the Tigers are kind of in, they've been a pretty depressing franchise for the last half decade or so. One of their biggest free agent signings of this past offseason was Jose Ureña. And so that goes, that really speaks volumes about where they are. As a team, they'll be sellers at the deadline. If I had to bet on it, I'd say that the Tigers probably finish with a worse record than the Marlins, but there's not really that many differences between them. The Tigers also have a very intriguing cast of young starting pitchers, and all of whom that are kind of breaking through at the majors at the same time, a lot of excitement. They do have some severe injuries to their rotation, including they already lost Julio Tehran, Matthew Boyd, Spencer Turnbull. Um, all things considered, I think that the Tigers will finish up worse than the Marlins. But we're going to run through these teams that are behind them in the standings, or you could say ahead of them in the reverse standings. All of a sudden, a big, not a goal for this season, but something significant to watch for the rest of this season is where the Marlins finish in the reverse standings and how it impacts their 2022 MLB draft position. As I said, there's only six teams worse than them right now. You know, the season ended today. Marlins would be picking 7th or 8th overall in the MLB draft, which is a significant difference from where they were. They are this upcoming draft, where they'll be number 16 overall. Um, going through these teams, the Baltimore Orioles, another one that I think you could bet pretty heavily on them being worse than the Marlins when all are done. There's a big gap between them right now. The Orioles at 22 and 44. So they are one, two, three, four, six, six games back of the Marlins right now, or six games ahead of them, whichever way you want to term it. And you know, they'll be selling uh, veterans at the deadline, the few that they still have. Um, I think once you get past that, all of a sudden you have to question um, most of these teams, whether or not they're actually any worse than the Marlins. The Pirates, probably. Uh, of course, the Pirates are the ones that kind of sent the Marlins into this tailspin by taking three out of four. Um, and since the Marlins, since the Pirates did that, they have been, they haven't won a game. That's that kind of speaks volumes about how where the Marlins are. That ever since that series, the Pirates have lost like ten in a row. They they lost that finale of the series because Sandy put the Marlins on his back, and then the Pirates haven't won since. So another team that I guess you really are, have a hard time seeing them eclipsing 
uh, the Marlins in the standings uh, between now and the end of the year, although they are a relatively healthy team. You could say that for them. They played most of this year without Cabrian Hayes, and I was so impressed with what I saw from him watching him against the Marlins during that series. I think he is one of the most talented players in all of baseball, not just rookies. It could, And he certainly will not be traded during this season. So he's a one guy that could really move the needle for them a little bit and have them playing at a higher level in the second half of the season. There's the, the Texas Rangers, who are in a very weird spot with their organization. People thought they would be ready to invest in the team as a new ballpark opens up, but they are surprisingly bad offensively, and they have had a lot of injuries as well. Um, a lot of significant ones to various aspects of their team, especially their pitching staff and their bullpen. Um, but I think it's kind of a toss-up as to whether they'll, they're actually really much worse than the Marlins are moving forward. Again, with a lot of these teams, it depends exactly who they move at the trade deadline, who's the next man up on their prospect depth chart. But I think the Rangers are closer to being mediocre than they are to being truly awful. The Rockies were in a pretty ugly place for most of this season. They came out of the gate very slow. We know they got just terrible press over the offseason for trading Nolan Arenado, but they entered play on Thursday. They're just a game and a half worse than the Marlins are. They just swept the San Diego Padres. And they have plenty of veterans as well, um, but a few that are kind of untradeable. Uh, I mean, with Charlie Blackman's contract, it's unlikely to see that. Um, there's an expectation that Trevor Story will be moved at the trade deadline, but it's the same position as the Marlins are with Starling Marte, that with those guys, you get potential draft pick compensation at the end of the year if you make a qualifying offer, and that compensation might be similar, if not better, than the actual trade package you would receive at the deadline because teams just are kind of unwilling to budge on these rental players. They have a, we've seen it year after year um, recently that teams kind of set this bar as to how much young talent they're willing to give up for a guy who's a pending free agent. And that bar is uh, it's pretty low. So that's an interesting decision the Rockies will have and how it affects their competitive chances down the stretch. The Twins are really the biggest surprise in this group because they, they've been a playoff team the last several years. They brought back a lot of familiar faces. They spent a lot of money on this team, and it's been a bust for them. So they're ones that really do have several impact veteran players that you kind of could expect to be moved at the deadline on both sides of the ball. They enter play at roughly the same place where the Rockies are and not that far behind the Marlins. So they've had some notable injuries, especially with Byron Buxton. So having him available down the stretch would be a nice boon to to them and to their fans. But but yeah, overall a messy season for them on uh, given their expectations and how their last season ended, where they got upset in the playoff by the Houston Astros. And they're definitely the most surprising team on this list. One that I think even if they do sell off veterans, they had several of their like really impact prospects already in the high levels of the minors that there won't there won't really be much of a drop off for them once they do make any moves at the deadline and that brings us to the Arizona Diamondbacks who are the worst team in baseball so they're the one that I think if you include them the Orioles and the Pirates uh and the Tigers I I think the worst case scenario or the best case however you look at it the Marlins I don't think they're going to be 
any about any worse than the fifth worst team in baseball. I think that's kind of the floor for them to finish at, no matter what happens from here on out, because these other teams are, well, they're already behind them in the standings, and also they have the similar lack of motivation to put things together. The Diamondbacks are the worst team in baseball, and it's not a total shock, but it's just it happened very abruptly for them because they were, you remember, just probably a month and a half ago, they were above 500. They got off to a decent start to the season, and they were playing some competitive games against the Marlins. We have, people were excited when the Marlins beat the D-backs as if, as if it was like a really impressive measuring stick. But the Diamondbacks have really fallen on some terrible times. They had the, the longest losing streak in baseball. Uh, they do at the moment. It's up to now 13 consecutive games. They are 20 and 49. And um, I bring them up because they have been without their ace, Zach Gallen, for most of the year. He is finally ready to return from a forearm injury. And he's coming up after the break because he had some interesting things to say and how they tie in to the Miami Marlins. Here at Fish Stripes, we are proudly partnered with Symbol, the stock market for sports. Symbol allows you to trade sports teams like stocks and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Use your knowledge and the site's free daily market analysis to buy low, sell high, and profit on those stocks representing any of the MLB, NFL, and NBA teams. They also have this new ticker on the top of the page that I like showing the latest prices for these different stocks available. The website is symbol.app, www.simbull.app. There are already more than 2,500 early adopters who are already starting to invest. When you deposit, use the promo code FISHSTRIPES. It's all one word, FISHSTRIPES. That gets you a $10 deposit bonus right away that you can apply to your investments. The current Sim Marlin share price, it's going down a little bit. It's $29.80. As I said, you know, the current state of affairs with this team is not so good. If you're buying into the long-term vision that they have, though, this is a smart time to go in for the long haul. That share price, $29.80. You visit symbol.app, promo code FISHTRIPES to get a $10 deposit bonus to help build your portfolio. Invest in what you know. Invest in sports. which brings us to a sticky situation in baseball. I don't think I've referenced it much on the pod, but you've, I'm sure you've been following the headlines all month, and actually they even started before the season began, about trying to change the way that that pitchers operate in Major League Baseball, that there has been for years, maybe for generations you could say, this tradition of pitchers applying certain substances to their fingers in order to get a better grip on the ball. Back in the day, and you could say it's still happening in some isolated cases now, they are tampering with the ball in some very few cases. The one that has gotten the most attention in particular is spider tack, which is not designed at all for baseball purposes, but is so sticky that it allows you to manipulate the movement on the ball way more than you ordinarily would, getting more movement, getting more spin rate. Uh, and getting having more success, having balls moved in ways that pitcher that hitters simply do not have an opportunity to adjust to. Beginning on Monday, that's when on-field enforcement finally begins. That's what Major League Baseball said in a memo recently. They've been monitor, monitoring the situation. 
nobody has been suspended at the major league level. They, there have been some minor league pitchers suspended for using stuff on their fingers. Um, the most common combination of substances tends to be rosin and sunscreen, either one or the other or both combined, that this allows you to get a grip on the baseball. This brings us to Zach Gallen, who was speaking to the media on Wednesday because he is just fresh back off the injured list and returning to the Arizona Diamondbacks rotation. So most of the questions I listened to the entire presser, most of the questions were about baseball and how he expects to return from this injury. Uh, One of the final questions was about the sticky situation. So you could just listen to him right here, talk about his perspective on it. Zach, where do you come down on the whole substances issue? Is it, is it going to have an effect on you? I can't believe you guys took this long to ask it. <laughs> um, I mean, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that in baseball, um, you know, when the when the commissioner's office sits down and, and does an interview and wants to talk about it, then you know, then we'll have at it. We'll talk about it. Um, but you know, it's it's been a custom and practice for I would imagine a lot of organizations. Um, especially especially the the person who is running that part of the commissioner's office that's that's leading the crackdown um he was he was in charge of an organization that was definitely at one point saying hey this is uh you're you're gonna need these things uh to help you um but yeah until uh you know the commissioner's office comes out and actually held to a press conference and they want to talk about you know the the findings and testings and all this stuff um then i'll i'll come back to you guys so, so wait, sorry, just to read between the lines there, are, are you suggesting that it was kind of um, something that the Marlins suggested guys guys use when you were there? You can read between the lines. So there you heard him, Zach Gallen, calling out Michael Hill, who is now working in the commissioner's office and responsible for on-field operations and discipline, uh, including what is happening here with this sticky stuff situation. Some important follow-ups to this from Zach Buchanan of The Athletic, who covers the Diamondbacks. He reached out to Michael Hill. Michael Hill responded by denying these accusations, saying, quote, it is predictable that a player represented by a particular agent, a.k.a. Scott Boris, would make false accusations about me given my current role and the agent's obvious desire to distract people from the current issues surrounding the use of foreign substances. The assertions, however, are completely false, Michael Hill says. And then from that, Scott Boris, um, just a short time later, via text message saying, a player trained in the Marlins organization spoke candidly and truthfully. Then GM's response is none other than the antiquated Sergeant Schultz defense, I see nothing. Next, where you'll be asked to believe the Tooth Fairy was the farm director. So a fun back and forth there between Zach Gallen and Michael Hill and Scott Boris regarding sticky stuff. And as Gallen even says um, himself, like he expects that most organizations had a similar like approach to this, that they were open about having their players. They encouraged their players to use whatever they needed to get a good grip on the ball. Uh, we could go into a big tangent about this, that um, there are more baseballs being used in games than ever before, that baseball has, the league has fallen into this behavior of constantly using fresh, unused baseballs um, 
rotating them in during games. There are more foul balls in baseball than ever before. There are more pitches in the dirt than ever before because pitchers are using more breaking balls that have that kind of movement than ever before. And every time there's a ball fouled out of play, every time there's a ball in the dirt, and even sometimes when there is a ball in play um, in certain situations, they substitute that ball out anyway. And when you have these fresh balls, pitchers will tell you that it is more difficult to get the grip that there is. They are kind of slimier, that they um, those balls... When actually being used is the best way for the, those balls to, once they get into play, it's easier for you to get a grip on them. When they get worn down a little bit, um, it makes it easier to pitch with and actually you know where the ball is, is going. So to counteract that, especially in recent years, um, there has been this trend towards guys applying stuff on their fingers that can really get them, that could get them comfortable throwing that ball even when it's just been thrown to them a fresh one in the middle of play. It has reached a point where not only is does it seem that almost everybody is using this stuff, but some guys are going too far, and now that it's being disciplined. Um, the blowback towards this has been pretty strong from the players themselves, from the coaches themselves. We spoke to uh, Mel Stoudemire Jr. a couple weeks ago, even before um, the official memo came out about his concerns about this it's, it's been in the culture for a very long time. It's not something that has ever really been objected to in the past. And it's in, if you go back far enough, it's not something that has necessarily made a big difference in terms of how pitchers perform until very recently. That's kind of the expectation is that now through a combination of things, including the, the use of excessive substances, that it's now simply too difficult for, pit, for hitters to put the ball in play. It's why they're striking out at a higher rate than ever before. One of the easiest ways to kind of monitor how a pitcher is either potentially using this stuff or potentially not using this is to follow their spin rate, which is measured by StatCast and provided to everybody through publicly, kind of in real time as games are going on through baseball savants. Um, Eno Saris of The Athletic has kind of been at the forefront of interpreting and researching and analyzing the changes in pitchers' spin rates, which affects their movement on their pitches and can have can be correlated pretty strongly to their effectiveness. That he he notes that a lot of pitchers across the league have seen their spin rates drop a little bit in recent weeks with the news of of all substances being outlawed, including the popular sunscreen and rosin. You know, a very a very ordinary kind of standard formula that's used by a lot of pitchers, probably on the Marlins, probably on the Diamondbacks, probably on most teams. You'll find somebody using sunscreen and rosin to get a grip. The spin rates are down for uh, just about everybody, and uh, but according to Eno, there is a certain threshold where it actually really matters. Once you go a couple standard deviations away from your normal spin rate, when you throw spin rates that are like noticeably lower than any others that you've thrown before, that's where it really matters. And to this point, there's maybe only a dozen pitchers in all of baseball. Let me just say that again: out of hundreds and hundreds of pitchers in Major League Baseball. Only about maybe 10 or 12 to this point, as of this recording, have seen their stuff, the, their spin rates drop by such a significant margin that you would expect they have stopped using whatever they were using. There's really, it's, the impact to this point has not been significant. It'll be very interesting to follow, of course, the rest of the season when the enforcement officially goes into effect on Monday. How much will this affect the Marlins? Uh, frankly, I don't know. My expectation is that not all that much, because I guess the Marlins, of course, have surprised some people with how good their pitching staff has been. To this point, arguably the best pitching staff in 
Miami and Florida Marlins history. The best pitching staff they've ever had, potentially, is the one that you're seeing right now, even despite all the injuries to their rotation. They've been so good at the top of that rotation with Sandy and Pablo and Trevor. They've gotten decent production at times from the back ends. And, of course, their bullpen has been very good this season. And all that contributing to them having a very good pitching staff, a clear top 10 pitching staff in baseball, if not even better than that, with a 3.55 earned run average, a 3.52 fielder independent pitching. That's stuff that the Marlins have never done before over the course of a single season. It's just that when you look at spin rate, they really aren't standouts from that department, that they are very much middle of the pack, if not slightly below the league average in spin rate on most of their individual pitch types, including some of the best pitchers on the team. Um, one guy I pulled up in regards to this is Sandy Alcantara, who has spent almost his entire career in the Marlins organization, but not all of it. He did make his debut in the majors with the Cardinals in 2017 as a reliever. And out of curiosity, I looked at the year-by-year spin rates for him um, since the Cardinals debut and going up to this current season, and it's been remarkably consistent. His fastball is yeah almost identical. Both his four-seamer and his sinker are hovering, the, the four-seamer right around 2,400 revolutions per minute, the four-seamer a little bit over 2,300. It's been remarkably consistent, even as his velocity has climbed a little bit the last couple of years. The one pitch that has gone up has been his changeup, noticeably in its spin rate by a couple hundred RPMs over the past few years. But that just seems to be a product of throwing it harder. Um, and we know that he already threw hard, but he's made a more conscious choice to close that velocity gap between his four-seamer, which gets up into the triple digits, and his changeup. As a result, the spin goes up, but it's not as if that pitch is really doing anything different. It's just by throwing it harder, velocity and spin rate are kind of aligned to uh, one another. And of course, we're coming off a game on Wednesday where his changeup was especially good, and he threw it probably as hard as he's ever thrown it before in a game, even under the the circumstances where we know that the league is is closely monitoring these guys and the substances that they're using. So whatever he may have used at any other point of his career, I don't think it's contributing to that elevated spin on his changeup. Um, I guess the one guy that everybody thinks of on this Marlins team when it comes to pitch movements and the potential consequences of not using substances is Anthony Bender, who to this point still a perfect 0.00 earned run average as a major leaguer. He is not allowed an earned run. He has been sensational, and he's done it with two pitches that both have crazy movement, his sinker and his slider uh, that really stand out in terms of both, especially in their vertical movement, top of the chain across baseball. Um, and you you could just see it with your own eyes. You don't even need to look at the numbers that the kind of late break that he has on both of those pitches and the kind of silly swings that he gets even from the best hitters in baseball. Uh, you're curious to see exactly how things change moving forward. Um, you would suspect that, I mean, just about all these guys use something to get a grip. That's kind of what I want to reinforce here, that I believe Zach Gallen with what he says there. It's not necessarily taking a shot at his former organization, although he kind of did go out of his way to do that. Um, the reason, the fact that he uh, referenced them, even if it does kind of benefit him and serve his own purposes, I don't know if that's necessarily false. I imagine that they, the team did encourage their guys to find ways to get better grips and that most teams have done the same thing. Um, so with Bender, he'll be a curious one to follow, not 
like the crazy high spin rates that you would that necessarily make him suspicious of this type of stuff. And there's just not much to base it off of in the past because this is his very first season at the major league level. Um, so someone to watch, I guess. But I mean, just to put a bow on all this and how it probably matters less than you think. The one guy on the Marlins pitching staff that has the freakiest high spin rates that gets more spin on his pitches than anybody else during the 2021 season is Paul Campbell. Arguably the worst pitcher on the Marlins this season is the one that has had the highest spin rates. And Campbell, that was a carrying card of him throughout his entire amateur career as well and his early pro career in the Rays organization. He's always had outstanding spin rates, especially on his breaking balls. Um, and it didn't make a difference, did it? No, no. He was terrible. Then he was suspended for PED use. Um, he could come back from the injured list in early August, from, come back from the restricted list and be reinstated in early August. We'll see if that happens. I would be surprised if it did. And his spin rates did not really make him an effective pitcher whatsoever. Um, that's going to be a fascinating story to follow. I'm sure we'll touch on it on the pod next week because that's when the enforcement actually begins at the major league level. Um, and just congrats to Zach Gallon on being healthy again. He finally takes him out. He's one of the better pitchers in baseball, and I'm sure this is another topic that will come up later in the year as well, is revisiting that Zach Gallon jazz Chisholm Jr. trade because it has taken a lot of twists and turns in a very short amount of time. I'm Eli Sussman here on the official show. Marlins a much-needed off day here on Thursday, their first off day in the entire month of June to this point. On, well, plenty of coverage, nonetheless, on Fish Stripes, our daily minor league reports. We're going to have our regular series preview heading into the Cubs series on Friday night. The small pod is ready out here on Thursday, and there'll be another one on Friday. We'll have it all covered here on Fish Stripes. Thanks for listening, and go fish. Thank you.